0: Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. Well, uh, today's a special treat, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. We have a guest speaker today. This is a guest speaker that really rings true with me, and I'll tell you why. Because about 12 years ago, there was a pastor on this staff who said to me, Hey, uh, I'm taking off, and I'm going back to Brazil. And I'm going to tell them, that they should hire you to take my place. I think you could do that. I said, really, you think so? And uh, so I began to pray about that and and that's what happened. And it was all because of his encouragement and his mentoring of me. And uh, so let me tell you really quickly, another quick point about this. Some of you are newer to this church and it can be a little confusing at times. We take our offering and we give tithes and offerings. We believe that that's out of obedience. We believe that tithing is purely an act of obedience, that we do it to a God that we love, and so we obediently give. But then we believe there's an act of generosity above and beyond that. And our, our platform for generosity above and beyond our tithe is what we call kingdom builders. And kingdom builders, the best way that, that I always describe this, is kind of like a mutual fund. That's probably not a great analogy today, but it's kind of like a mutual fund, in that you put money into it, and then, and then those who oversee that, our board, some of our staff, our world missions committee, they determine where the different amounts of that go. And we have projects that we have pledged to support every year. One of the projects that you all are supporting currently is a church in Brazil and we've sent teams there, and they have worked hard, and you all have sent money there, and I just want you to know that money is being stewarded extremely well, extremely effectively for the expansion of the kingdom. And the pastor of that church is our guest speaker. Many of you will know him because he was formerly staff here. Would you please give a huge welcome to our brother pastor, Andrew Vargas. Love that. That. Thank, you. A... So wow. you, thank you. So excited
1: to be you, Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, church. Good morning. It is so great to be here. It is so great to be back again after so long. It has been seven years since I've been back to Cedar Valley, and so I'm excited to be able to see some friends, see some people that I've known, and to see so many new people as well, and to meet some new friends. And so thank you so much, my uh, family sends their, uh, their hello to all of you. Julie and the kids, we'll show a picture of them in a little bit, but um, yeah, we've been, uh, we've been gone to Brazil for 10 years now, and this church has meant so much to us. Your partnership, your prayer, the missions teams that have come down have meant so much to us over the years, and honestly, I'm just here to hang out with you guys a little bit and to say a great big thank you. I wanna also give you a bit of a report of what's happening in Brazil. And so we're gonna show you a few things of what God has been, doing, um, has been doing there. We started attending this church. My wife was helping me, helping me with these dates because she's better at this than I am. We started attending this church in 2002. So it's been over 20 years that Cedar Valley has been a part of our life. And uh, we have grown here, we have learned here, we have matured here, we served on staff, as Pastor Neil said, for seven years. And God called us to Brazil from this church about 10 years ago, and we've been pastoring a church down there for the last nine years. Now I have an updated picture of my family that's gonna show up here. Sorry, honey, if you're watching online, it's the best picture I could find. And so, you know, my wife will probably get on me because of this, but that's Julie, my wife. We've been married for 21 years. And then we got Matthew, our nine-year-old there, and Gabriella, our 12-year-old. And so uh, they have grown since you've probably seen them last and uh, Gabrielle is in her full teenage years, loves Jesus, serving in the church, participating in a a life group, and Matthew is just a bundle of fun, all boy at nine years old. You know nine-year-old boys, you know how that goes, so it's been wonderful. I want to thank as well um, all of the teams that have come to Brazil. The first team I led when I was on staff and I was Uh, leading a small group and we led a team and since then if you count that team it's been six teams in the last 10 years have been to Brazil to work alongside us and so I want to say thank you to all of you who have been on one of these teams you know who you are many of you are here this morning so thank you for coming and joining with us uh, down there I want to thank Pastor Dan your missions pastor he's been in four of these trips so four of these trips have been led by him and uh, in fact Dan and I where's Dan where are you Dan here he is. Pastor Dan and I, we've been hanging out so much that um, I don't know if you noticed, but we decided to get matching haircuts. Have you noticed that? <laughs> we just thought it would be cool to kind of do that. And so, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to point that out that we, uh, we decided to do that uh, just recently. So um, anyway, so Pastor Neil, thank you for your support throughout these years. Thank you for uh, being so close to us and for supporting us and for making all this possible. All that's happening down in Brazil. So thank you, thank you as well. You guys have a great pastor here. Do you know that? Yeah. Come on, come on. Yeah. So I want to give you a quick uh, update on what has been happening in Brazil. So as I said, we've been there for almost ten years. We. Uh, Took over church. We had about 70 people in that church. Small town, small church. We have been growing ever since. We went through three uh, building campaigns in our current campus. Every time we finished the build out, it was already too small. And so we had to turn around and build again, and then it would be too small, and build again, and then it would be too small. And we came to the point where we realized, you know what, this property is just too small. We need to think bigger, we need to go to a bigger property. And so uh, uh, we've been running now close to 500 people on our services, and so we're very excited about that, all the growth that has happened. And yeah, yeah, praise God, praise God. And so last August, God challenged us to take a major step of faith. Every one of the build-outs was a step of faith, but this was a big step of faith. God challenged us to uh, take a step of faith and purchase a very large building in our city that had sat abandoned for over 20 years. This was a big warehouse, a big uh, port uh, uh, you know, company that sat abandoned for 20 years. Big property, big warehouse, and after 20 years it was in major disrepair, uh, still repairing some things there, and God challenged us to take a step of faith, and we did that. We uh, went for for auction, we bid on it, we won the bid, we have a new property that we are fixing that is huge for our reality, it's fantastic. I wanna show you a video that shows a little bit of what it was like and what it's turning into right now. There's a video that's gonna show you. That's the property right there. There's the building, how it was, You can see it needed a lot of work after 23 years, right? Doesn't look like a church at all, but you're going to see that we began changing some things. In fact, there's a new roof that went on. You guys bought that roof, by the way. Yeah, you guys bought that roof. And we put that roof on. We've cleaned it up. There it is going on, the old one coming off, the new one going on. We uh, had volunteers out there, and now we have a new roof on there. We're starting to move in, we're starting to paint some things, we're getting electrical and plumbing going. And so that is our new property that we believe God is going to use as our church continues to grow and as we continue to serve our community. And so. We're very, very excited. Looks a lot better than it was just about a year ago. So praise the Lord for that. And recently, we've had Kingdom Builders as well. We had a team come down just about a month ago. And through Kingdom Builders, we were able to receive a lot of other materials, a lot of materials that were purchased through Kingdom Builders Money, and we had a team come down and help us starting to get some things ready. We're hoping to move into this building by September, by September. So the team came down, helped us build our nursery, our kids' room, a new wall in the back. And so there's a video that's gonna show a little bit of what happened during the last missions team. Let's take a look at that. Little bit of what happened just this last month with the latest missions team that came down to serve us. I want to say thank you once again. And I'm here representing all of those people that you guys have helped and have served to say thank you. But I also asked them to, so we can create a better connection, I asked them to help me say thank you to you. So, last video, you're going to see a little bit of our church saying thank you to you guys. Let's roll that last video. Thank you. Was a service about a month ago when the team was there. And that's our new space that we're getting ready for our services. Yeah. So, once again, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And I'm so excited to be able to share with you this morning a little bit from the Word. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Do you know that? Pentecost Sunday, we've got to celebrate that. We're going to talk about that a little bit at the end of our message. But today, I want to talk to you about God's dreams for your life. I want to talk to you about God's dreams for your life, and I want to read a text that's very familiar, a story that you will have heard of uh, more than likely It's in Genesis chapter 37, verses 5 through 6. Genesis chapter 37, verses 5 through 8, actually. And I'm going to ask you, as we do here at Cedar Valley on Sunday mornings, it's not a matter of right or wrong, it's just what we do, that you would stand with me as we read this initial text. (coughs) Genesis chapter 37, verses 5 through 8, says the following. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. And he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and because of what he had said." You may be seated. This story begins, this dream takes place, when Joseph was 17 years of age. Joseph was 17 when he had this dream, and what happened to Joseph in this story is what happens to many of us when God first gives us our dream. When God first begins showing us what he wants to do with our lives, something happens that's similar to what Joseph experienced. Joseph began to think that this dream was all about him. In his uh, great maturity at 17 years old, he thought, this is great, look at what's going to happen, and he goes out in that great maturity and he shares that dream with his older brothers. He tells his brothers they naturally get upset, as anybody would, and if you know the story, these brothers, they eventually sell him as a slave to a passing uh, caravan that was coming through, you know, a group of people coming through. These people in turn sell him uh, as a slave again to Egypt, and he goes through a lot of highs and lows. The story is phenomenal. It's worth a read. He goes through a lot of highs and lows in his time in Egypt. But before we get into the story any further, I wanna just remind you, who is Joseph? Joseph is one of 12 brothers. His father is Jacob, another famous guy in scripture. Jacob has an encounter with God that changes his life and God literally gives him a new name, uh, signaling a change of identity. Joseph, or, or Jacob then, begins to be called Israel. And Joseph's brothers literally are the fathers of the 12 tribes of Israel. They are literally the sons of Israel. The whole nation of Israel and everything that would come through the nation of Israel come out of this lineage, come out of this household. Out of their offspring would come the people that God would call his own. Out of his offspring would come David. From the tribe of Judah, and you've heard of the lion of Judah. That well, Judah was one of his brothers. Out of his offspring, of this offspring, would come Jesus, our Savior. And so, if we f- go forward a little further, about 15 years into Joseph's life, he's now over 30 years old, and his brothers don't know this because they lost contact with him since they sold him into slavery. But Joseph is now number two in Egypt. Egypt is a powerhouse. Joseph is a man of authority. He is a man that is trusted by Pharaoh, and he is number two in all of Egypt. And back in Canaan, where his family was from, there is a famine. And this famine is historic. It's been going on for two years. So think with me. You had the harvest. (coughs) Forgive me. You had the harvest of the first year, and you've eaten that harvest of the first year, and now you're going into your second year of famine, and they don't know this, but there would be five more years beyond that. And Egypt has crop, Egypt has food. Uh, He is now number two, and his family comes To Egypt to seek out food. They need to survive. They come to Egypt looking uh, for some food. And the story continues in Genesis chapter 42. It's going to show up on the screen for you. Chapter 42 verses 5 through 6 says, So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain, for there was famine in the land of Canaan also. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. Do you remember the dream? So it's happening. Here come his brothers, they don't know it's him. Here come his brothers and they are now, thank you so much. I'm getting over a little cough here. Let's see if we can do this. I'm sorry about that. So it's happening. They don't recognize Joseph, but Joseph recognizes them. And uh, this would be that moment that you have long waited for to rub it in, right? Hey, guys, long time no see. How you doing? Right? To rub it in. To remind them of the dream and remind them that, hey, this is actually taking place. You guys thought I was crazy, but look, here we are. Or he could have done worse, right? He was in charge of all the grain. He sold everything. He could have just said, no. You guys didn't need me back then. Guess what? He could have said no. I don't know what you would have done in Joseph's place. I don't know what would have gone through your mind or maybe what you would have thought of doing and maybe you wouldn't do it, but you would have thought of doing it. And uh, Joseph had options. But it's interesting. Joseph didn't do any of that here. You see, something had happened to Joseph in the years since the dream, these ups and downs, a lot of tests of character had refined Joseph and something had happened over those 15 years. How many of you know there's maturity that comes with years and with just living life and there's things that we begin to learn and, and perspective that we begin to have? There's maturity that comes over time. And what I want you to see here is that at 17, Joseph knew the what. Joseph knew the what of the dream. Someday you guys are going to bow before me, and I don't know what this is about, but all of you guys, I just want you to know you're going to bow before me. That's what's going to happen. Now, 15 years later, Joseph knows a very, very important part. He knows the why. He doesn't just know what's going to happen, but he now understands why this is happening. And I want you to see this reflected in the text. Watch what this does to his response in the continuation, Genesis chapter 45, verses 4 through 7. Then Joseph said to his brother, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you guys sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because, listen to this, this is the why. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land and for the next five years there will be no plowing and no reaping. But look at again the why. But God sent me ahead of you. God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. What he reflects here, what we can see in the heart of Joseph is he understands why I'm here. Not just what would happen, what the dream was about, but why this dream came about and what God is doing in the midst of this. And if you follow the story, you'll see that Egypt had access to food when nobody had access to food. Joseph, being governor, he used the influence that God has given him and the position that God had put him to save his family's life. But in so doing, what Joseph was actually doing is saving and preserving the people of Israel. Because remember, they were all descendants of his brothers. And so the grand plan of God, the promise of God given to Abraham way before Joseph, and everything that would come after that, Joseph is now stepping in, and with his position of influence and what God has given him, he's literally feeding the people so that life could continue, so that God's plan could be carried through. What Joseph had come to realize was that the dream that God had given him was for him, but it was not about him. The dream was for him, but not about him. When, he, when all he knew was the what, he thought he was the king of the hill. You guys are all going to bow before me. This is going to be great. But now he realizes, yes, God has brought me to a position of influence, yes. But guess what? It's not about me. It's about his greater plans on earth and everything that's going to come through this people and all of his promises and everything that God is doing. Can I ask you a question? Have you already understood that God's dreams for your life are not about you? Have you understood that yet? You know, these stories, like the story of Joseph, they're not stories that God keeps and preserves throughout history for us to read just so we can learn facts about ancient people. You know? How many brothers did he have? What was the order? You know, all all these facts that we can pick up. That's not why this story is in Scripture. This story is in scripture so that we can be inspired and we can learn how God acts, how God moves among his people and why God does what he does. These stories are here because they mimic your story and my story and they teach us and they give us direction for your life and for my life. So question for you, was the dream that Joseph had, was it from God, yes or no? Yeah, God had given him him the dream, for sure. But at first in his immaturity, he thought it was all about him. And I think this is where sometimes you and I can miss it as well. We also think that it's going to be about us. And so we put ourselves in the center and we're, we're trying to figure out how God is going to do this where we're in the center of everything. And yet God has a much, much greater plan. God has a much greater plan than you and than me, and we're an important part of it. Yes, we are. Joseph was crucial. What he did was absolutely important so that the people of Israel could come into existence and become what they became, but it was far greater than Joseph. And I want to tell you the same thing this morning. God has a dream for your life. It is a dream that God has given you. You are a very important part of the grand plan, but it is much greater than you. It is much greater than me. We have an important role, but it's much greater than you and I can even imagine. Here's why this is important. Many people are living today without a sense of purpose. And I wonder if sometimes it has to do with, you know, the purpose is about as big as I am. I'm the biggest purpose in my life, and I put myself in the center. And let me tell you something. You need to live for something greater than yourself, Here's the good news. God created you to live for something greater than yourself. But we need to get ourselves out of the center and understand I'm just an important part. I have a very important, crucial, unique part to play, but it is a much greater plan than anything just related to me, to me alone. Here's another reason why this is important. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Let me tell you, When you understand that you are a part of a much greater plan and we can't even imagine what's coming after us, you're gonna understand something. I need all the help of the Holy Spirit that I can get. If I'm gonna be a part of a grander plan that in fact is the continuation of this very story of Joseph. We're the continuation of this. And it's not over yet. So you and I have a role to play. When I understand that, I'm going to cry out, Holy Spirit, I need your help. Because here's the thing, if it's all about me and and, and I'm, I'm the center of all things, I can pull that off on my own. You can do that too. And we're naturally already inclined to that, right? We're inclined to make it about us and we're, we're inclined to work out things that are good for us. If it's for me, man, I'm gonna work for it. I'm gonna strive for it because it's all about me. But when I understand it's all about the kingdom, it's all about God's glory, it's all about his plan and his plan is much greater and I get to be a part of it. But man, I'm a part of something much greater than me. You're gonna want and you're gonna need the power and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that people in Joseph's time looked forward to but didn't have. And we have it today. And we need it today to live out God's plans for your life. I wonder if sometimes our relationship to the Holy Spirit is limited by our self-focused dreams. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Sometimes our dreams are so self-focused and and, and therefore we don't need that much of the Holy Spirit because I can do this. And when God expands our vision to understand, hey, 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 it's for you, but it's not about you. It's for you, but it's about something much greater and we understand what's going on. We go, Holy Spirit, I need you more than I could even realize. Listen, if your dream is something you can do in your own strength and in your own resources, it's probably not from God. Now, he loves to make us dependent on him. And he loves to see us moving in the direction of his will and him getting the glory for what is happening through your life and through my life. With our church property in Brazil, we uh, have a dream to have it ready by September. So by September, we want to move into this property that we've been fixing up. It's not ready yet. We've got some challenges still to overcome before we can move the church there. But, you know, it, I keep reminding myself when I'm working this with my church and with my team that, you know, that dream of that new property and that new building and that building that will house our church all together in one service, that dream is for us, but it's not about us. That dream is for me as a pastor. I get to be a part of it. I am so glad to be there and to, you know, be in the midst of what God's doing. But that, that is for me, but that is not about me. That's not about my church or our, you know, our name. It's all about God's name. It's all about the people that God has decided to reach in our community and in our region in Brazil. It's all about God getting the glory and I get to be a part of it, but it's much greater than me. Much greater than me. You know, because of that, we have even a further dream. We have been dreaming together as a church of In that campus, we have a lot of space and we want to uh, open uh, in the near future a Christian school. We wanna open a school that is uh, able to raise the new generation, teach them to love God and to live for him, and to bring the word into the daily lives of kids. And we have a plan right next to the building you saw to build uh, in in the future a a Christian school. Our city is about the, the population of Apple Valley. There's no Christian school in our city, and so we want to be pioneers in this. And let me tell you this, though. When we open the school, my kids will never study there because they're going to be too old for you know, the age range that we're going to begin with. But remember, it's not about me. Amen. It's for me. I get to be a part of it. I get to focus. I get to work for it. I get to pray it in. I get to, you know, do, use the influence that God has given me to make it come about. But it's not about me. It's much greater than me, and it's about the plan of God for that city. Let me share with you a little bit. One of my first prayers to God for our church and our city was the following. I said, God, I just want us to get to a point as a church that people that don't even believe in Jesus, people that don't even agree with, with what we believe is true, that they would see us loving our community in such a way that they would say, you know what, I don't even believe in that Jesus stuff, but man, I take my hat off for you guys because there's something special about the way you guys live your lives. Amen. And to the glory of God, I can tell you that has already happened. We have already been able to be an influence in our community where people don't even agree with us, but they know that we're about loving the community, we're about serving the community, and uh, we've, we've created a good influence in our city. So my prayer has switched now. I've got a second prayer. That one's God has answered. My second prayer now, and the school is a part of this, is that God would create roots for the gospel so deeply in my community through the church, through the school, through the other things that we're doing, publishing house, we're opening soon, that God would create roots so deeply that one day when I'm not around anymore, when the staff that serves with me is not around anymore, that you would never be able to uproot what we've done. But it would be so deeply connected and so deeply rooted that I don't even need to be a part of it anymore, but I wanna create an impression and a a presence in that city that nobody can take away after I'm gone. Because here's the thing, someday I'll be gone. But it's much greater than me. It's not about me. It's for me, but it's not about me. And so I want to encourage you this morning. God has dreams for your life like he did for Joseph. That's part of what we're supposed to glean from this story is that God has a plan for you and for me. But here's the big so what. God's dreams are for you, but they're not about you. God's dreams are for you, yes, but they're not about you. So remember, it was God who had given the dream to Joseph. Let me ask you, what dreams have God, has God given you? What are the things that maybe God laid on your heart many, many years ago, and maybe you thought, ah, oh, that was just me. Or maybe you had another thought. Oh, that's crazy, I could never do that. That's a good indication that you're on the right path. Yeah, yeah. Just like Joseph, if you think that it's all about you, you're gonna get, it's gonna, you know, you're gonna get a big head, you're gonna get in trouble. Joseph got a big head, he got in trouble, he went through a whole process because of that. But just like Joseph, I'm praying that we would all come to a place of maturity this morning, that we would come to a place of realizing that it's much bigger than me. And it sounds like just semantics, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's for me, but it's not about me. Man, when that, when that switches in your heart and in your mind, that changes your priorities, that changes how you, how you work, where you focus, that changes everything in the direction of God for your life. So I'm praying that we come to that place of maturity today. This is bigger than me. And when that happens, you're going to see yourself crying out, Holy Spirit, I need your help. Maybe you're going to cry out to the Holy Spirit like you've never cried out before. God, help me not to blow this because I realize this is much greater than me and this goes way beyond me. And someday when I'm not here anymore, what I did or didn't do is going to make a difference. And so God, help me not to blow this. And if you don't feel like you have a dream yet, I want to pray that you would get one this morning that God would reveal to you. Maybe you're new to faith, maybe you're new to Cedar Valley and you're saying, I don't know about this, I'm still trying to figure this whole thing out. Well, let me tell you, you're made with a purpose and God has a dream for your life. It's not about you, but it happens through you, through your obedience, through your sensitivity, through your alignment with what God wants to do in your life. And maybe you're here and you say, I've got a dream, Pastor. I know what it is. I want to pray that God would bless you on your journey and that God would work out what he needs to work out in you. And lastly, maybe you're here and you have a dream, but maybe you need to lay it down. You know, your version of it, the version that's all about me. Sometimes we have the dream and it's God-given dream. Joseph, it was God-given. But sometimes we need to lay it down and say, God, okay, my version, I'm giving it to you. And I, I just come to realize that it's, It's your dream, but it's not about me. And maybe God will let you pick up a new version of the dream this morning that says, God, it's still the same dream, but man, my focus has shifted. It's still the same dream, but man, my heart is changed. It's still the same dream, but God, now I wanna be led by you and accomplish what you have called me to do. And so I'm wondering if you would stand with me this morning so we can pray together. I'd love to pray with you as we close this morning's message. If you would close your eyes with me and let's just let the Holy Spirit apply this message to your heart and to your life. You know, the Holy Spirit is the one that takes what we talk about here and He tailor makes it for your life and your situation. And so, if you would just ask Him a question this morning say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me this morning? And listen, with all of your heart. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to each one of us this morning? And God, we wanna thank you that we get to be a part of a much greater plan. Thank you that we get to be a part of literally your history in the world. Here we are gathered as your people, a continuation of those people that we read the story about. And God, we're still in the middle of the story. It hasn't ended yet. And each one of us here has a role to play. God, I pray in Jesus' name that if there's somebody here new to faith, doesn't know about this dream thing, didn't know that this was for everybody, God, I pray that this morning your Holy Spirit would impress on every heart here this morning that there is a God-given dream for every single one of us. And Father, I pray that you would, as you reveal yourself to each and every heart, that you would also reveal the dream and that we would gain an understanding of what you're trying to do in and through our lives. God, I pray for those who already have the dream and they are on the journey. God, I pray you would bless the journey, God, in Jesus' name, that you would bless them, that you would encourage them. God, that you'd continue to guide them in Jesus' name. God, that you would strengthen them for the journey as they pursue your dream for their lives. And lastly, Lord, I pray for those that maybe are with a version of the dream that maybe needs to be laid down today. God, sometimes we get the dream, but we create a version that just is a little off and we need to correct that, Lord. So I just pray for those that are maybe laying down their version of the dream and saying, God, I want to live your version of it. God, I pray that that would happen in each and every heart this morning. Lord, I pray that out of this congregation, out of this church, you would raise up men and women that understand your dream, that say yes to your calling, wherever you have put each and every one of them, God, that they would be witnesses, that they would be sensitive. God, that they would be tools in your hand for the continuation of your plan and your purpose on earth. And God, we pray as Jesus taught us to do that your kingdom would come and your will would be done through my life, through each and every one of our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.